0: Morning, Exodus 26. This will be our sixth lesson on the tabernacle. Seventh if you count, Thursday night, in which we expanded on the introductory lesson from our Sunday school series. Um, Really, there, as I hope you've seen, there there is no end to a study like this. It could just keep going and going and going. Kind of like Romans. But hope that you've enjoyed it. I suspect that I've enjoyed studying it probably more than you've enjoyed hearing it. But but if nothing else, kind of the goal, the objective is is, is, is to help you see just what an incredible and amazing book the Bible is. I want to give you some motivation, some incentive to to read it, to get into it for yourself, to, to love it, to enjoy it, to appreciate it. Uh, I want to give you some incentive to believe it. And believe it to the extent that you not just claim to be a Bible believer, but believe it to the extent that you want to find out what it says so that you can do what it says because there could not be anything any better than living according to the instruction manual that God gave you when he gave you life. So having said that, what our tentative plan is is to wind down these lessons by the end of the year, wrap it up at the end of this month, and move on to something new come January. Exodus 26, what I'm going to look at this morning will be the curtains of the tabernacle. We understand that the, the, the what, what we call the tabernacle, the, the entire structure, it was surrounded by what Exodus 27 calls... The hangings; those seven and a half foot high white linen sheets, basically that that composed the perimeter of what we call the tabernacle. Inside of that perimeter was what was called the court of the tabernacle. But 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 then, when you go one step or one layer past the court, you enter into what is actually referred to as the tabernacle. Commentators call it the tabernacle proper when, when the Bible refers to the tabernacle it's not, it's not necessarily referring to that entire area inside that white linen hanging perimeter. it's actually referring to the building that's inside of that, the tent, the sanctuary and that sanctuary, that tent that tabernacle it had four different coverings and in Exodus 26 we're going to see the four different materials, that were used, and each of these materials, each of these layers, each of these coverings could be a lesson in and of itself looking at the pictures and the typology, but we're gonna try not to do that. We wanna condense it all down and give you four lessons in one this morning. We won't even charge it any extra. Exodus 26, verse number one. Moreover, thou shalt make the, the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine Twined linen and blue and purple and scarlet, where of cunning work shalt thou make them. So this would be this is the bottom layer. If you're inside that tent, that tabernacle, that sanctuary, that building where there's the holy place and the holy of holies, this is what you would see as you're looking up at the covering of. From on the inside, the first layer, which forms really the ceiling for, again, those inside the tabernacle, was this curtain composed or comprised of four different colors. I'm going to give them to you in a different order on the board than they are in the verse, and there's a reason for that, and, and you'll probably see it here after a minute. It was purple and scarlet and then white we're taking from the fact that it was fine twined linen, and then the verse mentions blue. And there's a typical significance to each of these colors. You probably already know that, that purple in your Bible is associated with, with what? Royalty. royalty. Thank you. Purple is associated with royalty. Scarlet Anybody anybody make the association from Isaiah 118? Come now and let us reason together and say, Lord, though your sins be as scarlet. So with scarlet, there's an association with sin. With white, we've already discussed this. When we talked about those hangings that form the border or barrier perimeter, the white is associated with righteousness. Very good. And then for the, for the significance of blue, I want you to think of that time when Moses went up on a mountain and, 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 and entered into the presence of God and, and there was a covering that was like a sapphire stone and the Bible says that it was blue. Blue we associate scripturally with heaven, okay? And again, we could, we could trace all the references down and, and study that this morning, but you're going to take my word for it. Up to that point, to, 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 to assign a significance to those colors, we're going to say purple associated with royalty, scarlet with sin, white with righteousness, blue with heaven. And then Exodus 26, 1, not only, not only gave us the colors of this curtain, but it said, "...with cherubims," end of the verse, "...of cunning work shalt thou make them." It, I don't think it's indicating that the cherubim came down and helped them make the curtain. I think there's there's some kind of design in the curtain that includes some depiction of the cherubim. Would you agree? Is, is that a fair reading of the verse? I mean, it'd be cool if Bezalel had some angelic help or whoever made the curtains. Um, got some. That'd be freaky, though. Remember Ezekiel 1, Ezekiel 10? These creatures with four heads... And the wings and the all that stuff. Um, Ezekiel probably was scared when he woke up. But the cherubim, they they, they surround the throne of God. We've seen Ezekiel 1 and 10. And they had, how many faces? Four faces. And we're going to line those up with these colors. They each had the face of a lion, the face of an ox face of a man, and the face of an eagle. So the curtain had four colors, the curtain had cherubim. What are we learning from this? Well, what this curtain gives us is a full picture of the glorious humanity of the Son of God. Jesus came, He, he, he was incarnate. He was manifest in the flesh. God took on human form in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. And in the scripture record, we have four different accounts. His birth, his life, his suffering, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. We have four gospel records given from four different perspectives to give us a full and complete picture of the glorious humanity of the son of God and it lines up with what we find in this curtain purple royalty lines up with the gospel of Matthew that presents Jesus as the king of the Jews lion king of beasts scarlet the scarlet color in the curtain lines up with the ox face of the cherubim and the gospel of, of Mark which portrays Christ as the suffering servant. The white in the curtain and the face of the man lines up with the gospel of Luke which presents Christ as the sinless Son of Man. And then the blue in the curtain and the eagle on the cherubim lines up with the Gospel of John, which presents Jesus Christ as the heaven-sent Son of God. So each of these Gospels has a different perspective, a different Vantage point, a different point of emphasis in the person and the life and the deeds of Jesus Christ. And a lot of people point to the different gospel records and and try to point out contradictions. There are no contradictions. We're, we're, we're gaining a different perspective. If someone were to stand in the middle of this room and I'm standing here, and Matthew's standing there, and Ashley's over there, and Delaney's over there, we'd all look from four different angles and we'd get a different description of the same person right? And that's what we have in the Gospels. We just have a full and complete picture of the glorious Son of God. These Gospels, I read this, it was interesting to me, seem to be addressed to four different audiences. Matthew's Gospel, obviously addressed to the Jews. Mark's Gospel, they say, addressed to the Romans. Luke's Gospel, addressed to the Greeks. And then John's, to the unbelievers. Things have ever written that you might believe Jesus, Son of God, believing you might have life through his name. So lesson number one, the first layer of of, of, of the coverings, the first curtain gives us a full picture of the glorious humanity of the Son of God. Second lesson, verse number seven, Exodus 26. And here's the next layer. And thou shalt make curtains of goat's hair to be a covering upon the tabernacle, eleven curtains shalt thou make. So, so the second curtain was of goat's hair. We don't have time this morning to study Leviticus chapter sixteen, but Leviticus chapter sixteen describes something I'm sure you, you've heard of and you're familiar with: the Day of Atonement, the one day on the calendar. When one man, the high priest of Israel, would enter into the Holy of Holies, where was the Ark of the Covenant and the Mercy Seat and the presence of God, and he would come in and he would make an offering first for himself because he was a sinner approaching to the Lord, but then he would make an offering for the entire nation of Israel. And there were two goats that were chosen for the ceremonies on the day of atonement and, and 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 there was a lot as to which goat would 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 complete or fulfill which role and which which task and one of those goats it was slain and its blood was shed and that goat was an offering for the sins of the people and then the other goat the bible says the Aaron the high priest and those who succeeded and they would put their hands upon the head of that goat and confess the sins of the nation. And then that goat would be let go into the wilderness. It would would leave the tabernacle. It would leave the camp. And the goat that took the sins of the nation by the laying on of Aaron's hands would then carry those sins away. Okay? Okay. So the picture we have in the curtain of goat's hair is the sin-bearing and sin-removing Savior. Two goats on the day of atonement. One that is slain as an offering for sin. There's a picture of Jesus Christ. The Bible says he bore our sins in his body on the tree that he suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that all we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned everyone to his own way, but the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. So the goat that dies for sin, that's Jesus. But then the goat that takes the sins and carries them off into the wilderness, that's that's Jesus too. Both the goats on the day of atonement picture the lord jesus christ john 129 calls him the lamb of god which taketh away the sin of the world hebrews 9 26 says he put away sin by the sacrifice of himself psalm 103 12 says as far as the east is from the west so far has he removed our transgressions From us. What a blessing that the the sins would be laid on the head of that goat and then the goat would just take them away, that we never see them again. And that's a picture, that's a type, that's a shadow, that's a small demonstration of what Jesus did with our sins when we trusted in Him. God's not going to remember those sins, God's not going to hold those against you as far as His reckoning judicially. Those sins are gone. Your record is clear. You're washed in the blood. Praise the Lord. So, the first covering is the glorious humanity of the Son of God. The second covering of goat's hair, it reminds us of the sin bearing, sin removing Savior. Lesson two. Here's lesson three the third curtain, the third covering, verse number 14. Verse 14. And thou shalt make a covering for the tent of ram's skins, dyed red, and a covering above of badger's skins. So the first, we had this curtain, four colors. The second, we had goat's uh, goats' hair. The third is ram's skins. Let me show you the first time that skins show up in the Bible, Genesis chapter 3. In verse 21, go with me there. Genesis 3 and verse 21. Here's your first mention in the Bible of sin. Do you know Genesis 3? Pivotal chapter in the Word of God, the fall of man. One commandment in a perfect paradise. And they break that one commandment and they hide from the presence of the Lord. They make excuses for their sin. And verse 21. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. Remember what God had said in Genesis 2: In the day ye eat thereof, ye shall surely die. Did Adam and Eve die this day in Genesis chapter 3? They did not. But how did God make a coat of skin to clothe them, to replace their fig leaf covering, which just wasn't sufficient? In order to get a coat of skin from an animal, that animal had to be slain. So Adam and Eve, they deserved to die for their sin, their transgression. That was the wages of sin, according to Jehovah in Genesis 2. But this animal gave its life in their place, the way that the skin was provided was by a substitutionary offering. An innocent lamb, an innocent most likely ram, died so Adam and Eve would not have to die on the day they ate the fruit. With that thought, Genesis 22. You know this story, Genesis 22. Abraham is being tested by God. Miraculous birth of, of the promised seed, Isaac, has taken place. And now, God wants him to offer him up as a human sacrifice. He tells him he, 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 he'd like him to do that. And in verse 8, here's Abraham's testimony. Here's what Abraham says to his son. And Abraham said, My son, God, will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering so they went both of them together he didn't say God would provide us a lamb he didn't say God would provide a lamb for himself God would provide himself a lamb there would be a lamb provided by God that would be God himself is what Abraham said in Genesis 22 verse 8 because they're going up the mountain and Isaac's wondering we've got the wood we've got we've got the lighter We've got the, all. where's the offering? Well, God's going to provide the offering, but not only will God provide the offering, the offering God would provide would be himself. Great, great prophecy and great, great proof of the deity of Christ in Genesis 22, 8. Look at verse number 13. So, so Abraham lifts the knife. The angel of the Lord stops him. I know now that you love me. I didn't want you to kill Isaac. Verse 13, and Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a... Ram. Ram. Caught in a thicket by his horns. So here's a ram with thorns around his head. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering. Look at this. In the stead of his son. There are coats of skins made in Genesis 3 where an animal dies in the place of Adam and Eve, and here's a ram that is offered in Genesis two, with thorns around his head that is offered in the stead of Isaac. And so when 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 Exodus twenty six talks about a curtain of ram's skins the association to a ram in the old testament according to genesis 3 and according to genesis 22 is that of a substitutionary offering a substitute in our stead in our place. Jesus Christ offered himself on Calvary's cross. It was a death that we should have died. It was a punishment that we deserved. It was a judgment that we should have borne, but he did that so we wouldn't have to bear the judgment for our sins. And that's the essence of the gospel. Christ died for our sins. He was a substitute so we have to get people to understand: when Jesus died on the cross, it was for you. It was because of you. It was to provide something in your place. Because if you don't receive it, then you'll have to bear the judgment of God yourself. So, so the first curtain, glorious picture of Christ's humanity. The second, covering goats' hair—that's the sin-bearing, sin-removing Savior. How could He remove our sins? Third curtain. He died as a substitute. And that's the ram skins. But what about the badger's skins? Back to Exodus 26. and verse number 14. Exodus 26. and verse 14 says, And thou shalt make a covering for the tent of ram's skins dyed red, and a covering above of badger's skins. Now, now think about this. We made the point on Thursday evening. The end. The, the, the innermost curtain forming the ceiling of the tabernacle what you would see from inside it was beautiful it was intricate it was ornate it was it was decorative it inside you see the glory and the beauty but but from the outside the external covering was badger skin it was this rough leather that was exposed to the elements and bore the heat of the sun and when the rain would come it would it would form a a barrier a layer of protection of protection it was tough it was durable it was it was not something to look at but it was something that was functional again beautiful from, from within but unattractive from without and that in itself pictures jesus christ there's no beauty that we should desire. him. The lost person looking at the Savior, they, they don't understand the beauty and the attraction. It wasn't his physical appearance. It wasn't his charismatic personality. It was his holiness and his righteousness and his glory. There's something else I want to show you about the badger's skins. You've got to come to Ezekiel with me. Ezekiel 16 In verse number 10, Ezekiel 16. In verse number 10, as you turn there, I want to remind you of something from Exodus. Remember how we started this study? They came out of Egypt and God said, I want you to make an offering. And here are the items I want you to offer. And they offered the items and they had the items because... When they left Egypt, they spoiled the Egyptians. Their 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 their, their masters, their owners, uh, the nation that had them in bondage, sent them out loaded down. They just get out of here. Here's some stuff. And so the stuff that they were given and they took with them, then they made an offering of those items to the Lord for the tabernacle. And one of the items that God requested and one of the items that was offered <clears throat> offered <laughs> were these. Badger's skins, according to Exodus 25 and verse 5. All, all, all the items that we've read about uh, came from this offering. But Exodus 25, 5. Ram skins died red and badger's skins. Okay? Interesting. Ezekiel 16, verse number 10. This is a parable of God's relationship with the nation of Israel. He's, he's basically giving them their history in story form. He's talking about how he rescued them and made them his own and and all the things that he did for them look at verse 10 Exodus 6 I'm sorry Ezekiel 16:10 I clothed thee also with broidered work and shod thee with badger's skin and I girded thee about with fine linen and I covered thee with silk so I shod thee what what is it to shod somebody a difficult question. Think about it. What is it to shod somebody? It's, it's to put shoes on them. Like you would shod a horse, except in this case people. But, but look at the material that was used to... Per, God said, I shod thee with badger's skins. Do you know what badger's skin was used for? According to Ezekiel 16.10 Ezekiel 16, shoe leather. So, so what, they, what they offered, what they gave to make this outer layer, this, this, this seal of protection for the tabernacle, was the stuff that they needed to make their shoes with. Now, girls especially, think about this. They ended up spending 40 years in the wilderness, and they were walking across hot desert sand and in rocky, craggy places. How quick you think your one pair of shoes might wear out on a trip like that. But the stuff they would need to make more shoes, God said, I want you to offer it for the tabernacle. And they did. But then what did God do? Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter number 8. How many pair of shoes do you think you'd wear out in 40 years? How many pair of shoes do you think you'd grow out in 40 years? Well, I mean, if you start as an adult, probably not many. Unless should get real fat and need a wider size. That probably wasn't happening on manna. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse number 4. Deuteronomy 8, verse 4. Thy raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these 40 years. Your clothes and shoes didn't wear out and your foot didn't get real big. Deuteronomy 29, verse 5. Deuteronomy 29, verse 5. And I have led you forty years in the wilderness, your clothes are not waxen old upon you. <laughs> I'd like to have a set of those. Well, I mean, I guess styles change within 40 years. But a set of clothes that would last that long? <laughs> your clothes have not waxen old upon you, and thy shoe, Deuteronomy you know I mean? 29, 5, and thy shoe is not waxen old upon thy foot. What's the point that I'm making? The point I'm making is they made, they used badger skin to make shoes. They were going to need a lot of shoes, but God said, Give me the badger skin to make this covering for the tabernacle. And when they gave God something that it seems like they would have needed, the Lord provided for them, and they did not miss out for having given something to the Lord. Okay. Now, let me me bring this into 2019. I'm not asking you to give God your shoes. Okay? But here's what God is asking. God is asking for you to give him your life. God wants you to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him. And quite honestly, this morning, you know it and I know it, some of you are afraid to do that because you're afraid of what you might miss out on. Right? God, I can't give you badger skin. I'm going to need some shoes. God, I can't give you my life. There's... I'm going to miss out on and, and, and fill in the blank, the, the blank. I don't know what it is that you, you fear you won't experience or you fear you won't enjoy. Or you, you fear that you'll miss if you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ and just fully surrender your life and your dreams and your ambitions and your plans and your heart and your, and your convictions and your standards and just give it all to him. But there's something in the human heart, there's something in our sinful flesh that says if I do that, there's something I'm going to miss. And, and as we consider the badger skin, I just want to remind you, you can't outgive God. In order to follow Jesus Christ, you will be called upon to make some sacrifices. You will be called upon to lay your life down. You will be called upon to give up some things. But Jesus promised Peter and all his disciples, there's no man that has given up. And then he lists all these things. He said, that I won't make it up to you a hundredfold. We fear on what we might miss out on if we don't, if, if we give our lives to Jesus Christ. But what we ought to fear is what we'll miss out on if we don't. And that hundredfold that Christ promised to his followers, that's after he already saved us and forgave us and washed us in his blood and made a mansion in heaven with our name on it. Curtain number four, I want you to remember, means we have a Savior worth serving. He'll more than make up for anything you have to sacrifice to give your life, your heart, your soul to Him. All right? So curtain number one, covering number one, layer number one, that that linen of four different colors with the cherubims. It's a it's a glorious, full picture of the humanity of the Son of God. Curtain number two, or covering number two, the goat's hair. It's the sin-bearing, sin-removing Savior. Covering number three, layer three, the ram's skins. It's the substitutionary offering of Jesus Christ. Then based on all of that, the outer layer, the outer covering, the badger skins, Reminds us we've got a Savior worth serving. He'll more than make up for whatever you give when you give your life to him. And hope and pray that every single one of you make that choice. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for, thank you for loving us. God, bless thank you for being so good. Help us, Lord, to consider how great things you've done for us. Help us to fear you and serve you in sincerity and truth with all hearts. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.